Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who have chiseled good looks in their joinery. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 480 for August 12th, 2020. On today's show, we're talking about workbenches. Yeah, <coughs> me. workbenches! I feel like I almost just Everybody swallowed my own tongue. Benches. That was weird. Uh, before we get into that... <laughs> that's how much Mark loves That's right. Benches. I get so excited, I just swallow my own tongue. Uh, before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Head over to rockler.com to check out their customer favorites sale, which includes many of their most popular tools, innovations, and accessories. The sale runs from July 31st to August 27th, so don't miss it. So is there like a special mm-hmm. Wood Talk show's favorite stuff section? We are... We do, there should be a sub section of this sale specifically for our favorites. Yeah, or maybe who knows? We'll talk to them. We'll see. Can we have like the Wood Talk guys' favorites sale? <laughs> see if they could work that in. Maybe maybe we, next we year. We need life size. I feel like they have a good idea. Life size cutouts of us pointing. Yeah, at things. I think so. I mean, I feel like they have this stuff planned out so far ahead of time. We'd have to book it for like 2021. That's fine. We'll we'll, we'll still be around. We'll have uh, Shannon's favorite dovetail jig. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, good idea. Uh, that would actually that would actually be an interesting display. The evolution of the Rockler dovetail jig, just seven iterations, and then all the various reviews. Yeah. You think they had that many? Where's the current one saying works as advertised? <laughs> right, <laughs> does what it's supposed to do. John Smith. Good stuff. Uh, and if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to Patreon.com/slash/WoodTalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Uh, this week, we'd like to thank Fred Anto, Dan Maxim, and Kurt Allen. Hey! You know, someone wrote in. I didn't want. I didn't like put it in the show notes, but I can't remember who it was. But they said, "Why does Matt laugh so much?" But it wasn't a complaint. It was actually a guy who's like, "I love this." He says, "My wife is like that," and he says, "It's just so pleasant to be around someone who is always." 
like by default, regardless of what's being said, is going to probably giggle, even if it's not that funny. Yeah. And that that is very pleasant to be around someone like that. And I agree. I like having someone on the show who's just prone to giggles. Having a good time, you know. I'm alive. I woke up this morning, not dead, you know? Uh, yeah. What more You're living your best for? life. Trying right. to. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's that's always a good start. <laughs> I woke up, so that's a plus. Yeah. All right. So we got an email from Andrea, and it's about the subject that says birthday and i thought it was appropriate to read this even though it might be a little bit late uh, <laughs> andrea says <laughs> i felt obligated she says hey guys thanks for quit quitting quitting i really like your show but my husband loves it you're his favorite podcast would you ever do a birthday shout out his name is josh weaver his birthday is july 2nd well we missed that so <laughs> we're, we're really really, really early next year yeah yeah, she says got an 11 month jump. We live start. in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we're excited to visit the new Rockler location <laughs> at Robinson Town Center. <laughs> I love it. She listens uh, very carefully. And, and she says, yeah, if birthday shout outs aren't your thing, no worries. Have a great day. Well, I can't say that we will always do this. I also can't say that we will ever do this on time. But <laughs> I saw this one and thought it would be fun to put into the show. So happy belated birthday, Josh Weaver. And thank you, Andrea, for uh, letting us know about it. Enjoy the Rockler store. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Let us know how the Rockler store at the Robinson Town Center is. <laughs> I heard it's great. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into what's on the bench. Um, working on Nicole's desk is uh, it's quite an experience. This I'm starting to keep track, experience. starting to keep track of. Who invented what? We have to have a running list, right? Oh, so it's, it's become clear to me there's, a, there's at least two inventions. One, we talked to, I think we mentioned this on the show, that mid-century modern furniture was invented by, it seems like there's a little bit of a feud, whether uh, Jory Brigham invented it or Chris from Four Eyes Furniture. One of the two, not sure which one, I think, you know, depending on who you ask, one of them invented mid-century modern. The other invention, Shannon, you're Absolutely. probably very familiar with this inventor, uh, the inventor of the inexpensive hand tool, Paul Sellers. <laughs> well, he invented hand, hand tools, tools in general, in general, but spe hand specializing in it. inexpensive hand tools. Uh, the, the little taste of yeah. that that I've gotten just from showing a cheap chisel that I ground to, oh, to become a dovetail chisel, yeah. the amount of times I've heard Paul Sellers' name and, and not even really <laughs> a positive context, but the amount of times that I've heard his name made me go, Wow, Shannon must hear this kind of stuff constantly. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, I mean, I've met Paul. He's a, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's a very just genuine, decent mm -hmm. human being. But something in his, his followers, followers are jerks. and he does, I, he does nothing to create this. Something in his followers are just very like confrontational. Yeah. Like they feel like they have to defend mm -hmm. Paul. And like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Paul invented hand it tools. It is really a weird thing online. I think that this this sort of thing happens. It, it happened back in the day with uh, Tommy Mac, with Charles Neal. I think people who are yeah, right. very opinionated, you know, and that is Paul Sellers is very opinionated. He's very sure of his opinions and his expression of those opinions is very confident. And he has a message that a lot of people like to hear. The message being you don't need a bunch of expensive tools to do woodworking that resonates with people. But so, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not like he's doing anything wrong or saying anything wrong, but the people who follow yeah. him like to swing, you know, a very heavy, inexpensive hammer that was homemade. They're just, they're almost militant. Yes. 
I mean, it's really funny. It is. It is. I don't know. It's just been a very interesting observation the last few days, uh, last couple of weeks, actually. So anyway, this uh, desk going pretty well. Uh, lots of weird angles. Uh, but I did I did have a, a thing that I was really concerned about. The design of this thing, the front apron is broken up. Uh, so the back apron is intact between the legs. It's doing what it's supposed to do. The front apron is interrupted by a drawer. And there is no continuous front apron. And on paper, I was like, eh, should be fine. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> because on paper, I always had the top on. Right. And when I say paper, I mean mm -hmm. in SketchUp. Uh, so I never really thought about when the top isn't there without that front apron. <laughs> you've got a little bit of flexibility where that front apron should be. Right. So the cool thing was with with the top installed, it really did stiffen up the structure. And I think it's going to be fine. But it was definitely an eye opener for me where if I start to push my limits on what I do design wise uh, and start to do things that. Maybe I haven't seen anyone do this before. Well, there might be a reason no one's done that before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not, not every quote unquote unique idea is a good idea. Uh, so this particular design, while, while it turned out, it is truly dependent on the top as part of the structure. Most of the time we build something, the top just goes on top of a sturdy structure. Yeah. So, you know, from a design perspective, uh, someone was like, oh, you're going to sell plans for this? And I'm like, truthfully, I'm not sure. I don't know that I feel good about selling plans for something that I'm not 100% sure <laughs> of stability. It's it's like my desk I'm sitting at now, big executive desk, nice big, you know, thick cherry top on it. If I wanted to sit on my desk on any or lean on it, you know how people kind of butt lean on a, on a desktop but not totally sit on it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any worries anywhere around this this desk. You could do that. I am a little bit concerned on Nicole's desk. Because the, the, the way the legs flare out uh, and, and the, the weakness without that apron on the top, I am a little bit concerned that if someone were to sit on that front section right on top of that drawer, where the stress would go. You know, I don't think it's going to fall apart, but I don't think it's as strong as it could be. So, uh, you know, it's just this weird design debacle, but I, I'm moving forward with it. It's a perfectly functional desk. But as someone who's producing plans for these things, is this something I feel good about telling other people to build? <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird. What, what's interesting there is because I've run in not this same situation, but I've run in the similar situation where it works fine in SketchUp. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. You know, or, and it's, and I'm sure this is any 3D modeling program. And I guess that all the, the proponents of prototyping and small scale models and things like that are cheering right now because when you get into the real life, that's a perfect example. Like the top is, is there in the drawing. And unless you hide that component, you don't really realize how sparse the undercarriage right. is. Or the one that it gets me all the time is there's no grain direction yeah. in SketchUp. And like you're figuring out how to join things together. And then like you come back to your shop and you realize you've just created a, you know, a mortise on mm -hmm. short grain or, or dovetails in short <laughs> grain. And you're like, damn yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the grain direction thing got me on the shelves. So between the legs... I installed two shelves that are kind of, they're almost like stretchers too. They're sort of structural support, uh, but they are functional shelves. So no grain direction in SketchUp. But when I actually started to build it, I put the grain direction in the way, the direction I thought looked the best. I wanted it to match the top. So the grain goes side to side, just like the top. It's too close to the, to the top and too, uh, you know, spatially and sort of orientation wise, it's too much like the top for the grain to go in a perpendicular direction to the top. So I wanted it all to go together. So now what do I have? I've got 
a shelf with the grain going front to back <laughs> in dados and the legs. So this is one of two instances in this project where I'm actually disobeying a known thing that you just don't do, right? So that there's a wood movement thing that I'm like, well, look, these legs are flexible to begin with. Uh, it's a quarter sawn oak shelf. If it moves, it's going to move like an eighth of an inch and the legs can handle that flex. The whole structure can handle that level of, of flex. That's not a problem. So I'm not worried about that. Rule number two that I broke. Okay, maybe it's not a rule, but it doesn't, you know, structurally, it doesn't make as much sense. I wanted just to do something weird. So these angled parallelogram sort of uh, drawers that I have or the drawer, um, I wanted the drawer side to poke through with through tendons to poke through the drawer front. Well, if you think about that structurally, that's not the way you would want that joint to be oriented, right? Yeah. Because the the was, if you yeah. have the the motion of the drawer front is supposed to, or I'm sorry, the 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 joinery is supposed to resist mechanically what motion the drawer is going to have and the forces it's going to push onto the parts. So when the tenon is going through the drawer front, that's exactly the opposite orientation you would want. But it's going to be a very tight joint. It's going to be glued up. It's not going anywhere. I'm not. Worried about it's it? It's a tiny drawer. It's, it, it's a it's a small desk drawer. Nothing is going to happen. What are you putting on there? Lead, but billets. But if you were to make like, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it's Nicole's desk. I don't know what kind of ammunition she's she's putting in this thing. <laughs> she's got her own business over there. A, that's where she keeps her gold bars, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's her her golden knitting needles, <laughs> things that she has over there. So. But again, not a big deal. We know it's not a big deal. Just like we know the grain direction on the legs is not a big deal, even though it is breaking one of the rules we might put in a list of rules of things not to do in woodworking. So, so this whole project has been this um, turning things on its, you know, on its head a little bit uh, with, with rules and how things are supposed to be done. But it's a fun, a fun little experimental design. Rules are dumb. Rules are stupid. Except for when other people break them. <laughs> then then I'm like, hey, you shouldn't hey do now. this. Hey, now. Hey, hey, look at the grain right. direction. I know that's not a breadboard and you wrap that uh, solid panel. <laughs> oh, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Dude, if I had a dollar for every time I saw that on Instagram. Oh, the framed out t- tabletops. Uh, yeah, we're like, look at my tabletop. And I'm like, let's look at that in six months. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Good stuff. All right. Shannon, wow. what you got going on? Wow. Uh, I just relish. Uh, go back, folks, and listen to like Wood Talk three no, don't. or four, and just and just and just recognize what a grumpy old man Mark has become over the last <laughs> really ten <have>. years. It's <laughs> wonderful. I love it. <laughs> it's such a great transformation to witness. My sarcasm and cynicism uh, has uh, multiplied by at least two hundred percent. And the filter, the, the uh, ability no to, filter. to screw to everybody shut up and bite your tongue. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> You know, after like 16 years uh, of this stuff, you get to the point where there, there's just no filter, uh, you know, thick enough. It's all too porous for what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> well, this uh, this week's been a bit of a uh, week of extremes. I've um, joined the, the the ranks of the Cremonaites and I've learned Woo-hoo! to run a sawmill. Wow. Which has been kind of fun. We bought one. You know, Matt Lumberyard. invented those? Actually, specifically, <laughs> he did invent them. And I thank you, Matt. Because the bandsaw mill oh, is a wonderful man. thing. <laughs> it's, it's very, very cool. So yeah, we, we had a we've had this ongoing project for a while that's required some really, really wide plank flooring that needs to be uh, we need to actually cut the laminations for it. And it just turned out 
to be cheaper to buy a sawmill <laughs> and do it ourselves and bring in the logs. And of course, that's uncovering a bunch of other potential opportunities, which is new capabilities we can do. But I made the mistake kind of like when we were laminating um, large uh, Douglas fir beams, I made the mistake of saying, oh, I've used a vacuum <laughs> yeah. bag before or, oh, I, you know, I've got a friend who built his own sawmill. Um, I kind of know how they work. And that was enough. So there's the director of marketing out in the yard. <laughs> I mean, we've got this wood miser sawmill out there. So now, I, I mean, it's awesome. It's really cool. It's one of the the perks of, of, of my day job is to be able to play around with stuff like this. But it's, um, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's certainly one of the biggest wood misers that wood miser mm. makes. Uh, it's still not, doesn't have the same capacity as Corona's uh, mill, you know? of course. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't ask me that. The LX750, LX2, yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah. maybe it's okay. a 250 i don't know it's like a 60 60 inch yeah, capacity that's, that's, um, they just came out with that log. i think in the last couple of years something like that yeah i think so it's it's a beast and it's got the thing with Woodmiser that's funny is like well a lot of companies do this it's like the starting yeah. price at you know you go buy a car starting at 99.99 <laughs> you'll you know, never and find then, one for that price then you get the <laughs> The, the heated seats. Well, I don't want heated seats. Well, we don't have any on the lot, sir, that don't have heated right. seats. So yeah, this wood miser, like everything is extra, like all of the little like work holding stuff. I mean, it comes with like the basics, probably Matt, like when you first built your bandsaw mill and as you've kind of pimped it out over the years and added little things on here and there, this, like, if you want an extra log deck, like the log deck, it comes with like the Festool track saw comes with the one 48 inch thing. But if you want to do a full eight foot sheet, you've got to buy another 48 inch track and the little thing to hook them together. This is the same way. Like if you, if you, you can saw a log that's six, that's uh, 60 inches wide, but right now the log deck only supports like 60 inches, you know, so it's a five foot long trunk. So if you want more than that, you know, then you buy an extra log deck. And then there's all this other stuff, like the, the various controllers and um, kind of cockpit offerings that they have can be like as advanced as like touchscreen, you know, playing a video game down to just good old fashioned red button, green button, which I kind of like the red button, green button. <laughs> just my speed. No, I don't need this other stuff. That makes sense to me. And the, and the red button, of course, is four times the size of yeah. the green button. You know, you could you could hit that with a rock from across the yard, yeah. even if you can't throw. Does the you know? uh, real advanced one like but have an app or anything like that? I believe that they would do. Be amazing. I mean, but again. It all depends upon like what controller module yeah. you have, you know, does your controller model module have the flux capacitor in it <laughs> right. or not, you know? And, and so they can be just straight mechanical, like you would expect, you know, maybe 20 years ago and they can be super, super high awesome. tech. It all depends on how much you want to pay. Like, do you want a $60,000 sawmill or do you want a $260,000 sawmill? <laughs> so it's been, it's been kind of fun, but the, um, the flip side of that was, is we've had several big storms come through the area and we've had limbs knocked down. And so I spent a bunch of time working with a sawmill and then I came home and I carved a spoon. <laughs> I went the nice. other direction. I sat in an Adirondack chair in the backyard with a knife and was Did you have whittling. a lemonade and a piece nice. of hay in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> or a straw or what? What is it? What do they chew on when people whittle spoons? A Slim Jim? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Mm, it's extra protein. Fuck. You need it. You're working out a lot. <laughs> cool. Yeah, sure. 
So it was fun. It was, it was nice to go from one extreme to the other. It's like the people that work on computers all day and come home and, and like, I don't want to even look yeah. at a computer. So I whittled. That's pretty cool though. It was fun. nice. All right, Matt, what's going on in your life? Oh, I've been doing some dovetailing. It's been, mm. been, uh, been good. Uh, your favorite things. Well, yeah, it was, it was weird because I haven't done what well, the last dovetailing we did was at your place. Oh step yeah, stools. so that was, that was like three years ago. Feels like it. That was uh, <laughs> when was that? January. So that was yeah. the last time I cut a dovetails. We just threw dovetails, and I'm doing. Well, I'm doing half blind dovetails in the front of my drawers and three dovetails in the back. But uh, yeah, you know, half blind gets a little bit more interesting when you haven't done it for. I don't even know how long the last time I did a half blind dovetail is. So the first ones I did, I'm like, these look terrible. <laughs> I mean, they're fine, but yeah. like. I know I it can worked. do better than this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know I'm better than this. Yeah. What is this crap? Uh, <laughs> so basically I've been warming up for uh, the week. And uh, the last ones I've been doing have been looking really good. So it's been really, you know, I don't know, eye-opening. Because I knew, I already knew this. But it does take a little bit of time to, like, build back up to your old skill level or confidence level or whatever level where things start yeah, that, yeah, it is, looking real good again. It's not like riding a yeah. bike dovetailing gets forgotten get that muscle memory going again it's a lot of it because there's so much finesse to these things and you just make some little mistake and then now you got a little bit of a gap and you're like okay this is great but it's also one of those things would you ever like when i'm doing this i go well i could do a practice run but i also want to get this done and i know if i know even if it's (laughs) if it's not perfect i know it'll probably be passable so i'll still do it on an actual work piece instead of what we probably should do, which is take at least like one or two practice runs. But I'm like, I, I can't justify that time. Yeah. Well, nope. That's why you always start with the dovetails in the back of the bottom yeah, drawer. Right. <laughs> the least seen corner on totally. the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think are you for through me, it all? Um, I'm filming the last one. So that's the other mm-hmm. thing, too, is like uh, I didn't film the other ones, which was also nice because I get to be like a woodworker, like just a normal mm-hmm. woodworker. Isn't that great? It's it's so weird. I'm like, this is fast. I, I forgot how fast I can dovetail a drawer. Yeah. It's, I'm actually pretty quick at it. And then you got some music playing or you're listening to, you know, your favorite podcast, Wood Talk or something like that. Uh, it was Hamilton. Oh, oh, of course. Okay. Singing yeah. Hamilton. That's what he's doing. <laughs> it just gets me you know, jacked up and just I want to do more, you know. That's that's fantastic. man. Mo- motivational music. I'm probably the, I'm probably the only one out of the three of us shot. who hasn't seen that yet. I'm guessing. Well, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, I saw it on Disney Plus, but are you kidding me? I can't get tickets no, to that. You know, and I live a bus <laughs> right from New York. Talk, talking about, I mean, the only reason anyone's talking about this is because of the Disney Plus deal. But Nicole has it. been, yeah. she's been all over that thing. She loves it. It's great. It's fun. It looks good. But, you know, I, I don't want to hear people's voices in general. And then they start singing when they're supposed to be just saying things. Ugh. Ugh. This is all part of the curmudgeon thing. You, you don't spontaneously break into song to solve <laughs> only problems when Matt's here in like a, you know, that's true. That is high school true. musical format. Yeah, yeah. Only when Matt's here, we solve all of our problems through music and uh, dance battles. <laughs> so. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that Saturday night live with Zac Efron? When he like goes back, he goes like to college and then he goes back to the high school and he's like, yeah, P 
people don't break into song to solve their problems in the real world. And everybody's like, what? No. Oh my God. And they start crying. Like it can't be true. I, I must've missed that one, but it sounds good. Oh man. Uh, it was really funny. Oh, all right. Well, let's get into our main topic. It is not Hamilton. Uh, we're talking about workbenches and I think we're going to kick it off with kind of going through our Matt's workbench yes. rap. Sing it, Matt. Go ahead. Take it away, Matt. <laughs> yeah. That's not a rap. You're yeah. terrible. I didn't say I was good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to sort of give you an idea of how we started our own personal evolution in the world of workbenches uh, from the beginning to where we're at now. So my first workbench, uh, working out of a, like a two-car garage, and I wanted something that was nice and sturdy, and I, I guess I was probably reading in forums at the time about how you could take two or three layers of plywood, glue them together, make a nice sandwich, and then just skin the outside with a little bit of solid wood trim. And you get a nice, thick, heavy workbench, uh, you know, with the advantage of that solid material on the outside. It looks pretty nice. Uh, the base was just from two by four stock, nothing special. And I made, uh, you know, spaces. There were little compartments that I was able to throw pieces of plywood in to essentially create a box that would just be storage for stuff. A uh, quick release vice was put on it. Um, you know, limitations on this thing were pretty evident. Uh, I, I put some dog holes in it and dog holes in plywood. I mean, it can work, but sometimes you end up with problems with that top layer of veneer. So the thing just didn't look very good uh, after a while. Um, you know, a quick release vice it worked just fine. And by the way, we won't talk too much about vices today because we will have another show. Our next show is going to be specifically on workbench vices where we'll dig a little bit deeper into those. Uh, so, you know, that that was fine. But of course, I like like a lot of woodworkers, I have the upgrade itis um, problem and wanted something better. No, you, so you of all people. Yeah. So <laughs> I decided it was time to have a quote unquote real workbench. So I was able to get some uh, some. Tell the truth, Mark. That? It didn't match the color of the rest <laughs> of the shop. That right? is true. That is true. <laughs> it's an important thing. It had to be color. I mean, how do you guys work in spaces that aren't color coordinated? I don't know how it's done. Colorblind. Uh, so, I don't see color, yeah. Mark. Okay, good job. <laughs> and uh, and great okay. timing socially on that, by the way. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so uh, I decided to go with like, okay, maple bench top at the time. This was pre-Rubo, right? Like in terms of the exposure of what, plate, plate 11? I was going to say pre-Rubo. I don't know what year you were in. No, pre-awareness of Rubo <laughs> is what I should have said. 1747. It was very early. Well, look, you know, I've been around for a while. Uh, so this this next one was going to be, you know, the typical, I don't know, inch and three quarter, two inch bench top with a big apron of eight quarter stock around the outside. So it looks big and sturdy and thick, but it's actually just a very thin workbench uh, at its core. And that's what's so funny, you know, a big, thick apron of two mm. inches. <gasps> yeah. So <laughs> by today's standards, it's I like, know, whatever. It's crazy. So, uh, so that worked out okay. I had a, a twin screw, Veritas twin screw vise on the side and it looked okay. You know, it was all right, but it did have its limitations. It was very off balanced. Uh, the, just the way that I built it. If you put a little pressure down on the vice side, the whole thing would just tilt. So it wasn't, it wasn't very weighted, uh, weighted very well. It had a trestle base, which basically involved minimal amounts of wood as a base. And that's also not a good thing. So, uh, lived with it for quite a while. And then the awareness of the Rubo, uh, became a thing. And I got Chris Schwartz's workbench book and decided, okay, I think the Rubo and specifically Benchcrafted's split top Rubo is a direction I wanted to go. 
And that's what I've been rocking since then. Uh, and of course, it's got all the Benchcrafted hardware on there. Very thick bench top, four inch thick and lots of material. You know, and I think in the, in the beginning, a lot of this came down to whether it's a hobby or something I'm doing, you know, as a, as a career. So the, actually, that's the interesting correlation here, too. The first workbench was the hobby, introductory hobby workbench. The second workbench was the career workbench. I was doing this for a living and I built the bench that would just get the job done, but I had more material and a little bit more funds to, to build something a little nicer. The third workbench was like the content creator workbench. <laughs> the one that is so nice and, and has so much material, it's actually difficult for a pro, someone who's doing this for a living, to justify building that workbench. Uh, just it's something that in the world of content creation, you can do anything. You know what I mean? Like the, the bigger and crazier it is, the more views it gets. So you, you do as much as you can. Um, so yeah, so it, that that's sort of my evolution. And now I, I don't I don't see myself changing. I mean, there's not much. One of the good things about the Rubo design is it is kind of that blank slate. So if I need to make a modification, put something else on it or add something or change something, I could do that. But it really satisfies all of my work holding needs. And I don't see myself doing anything different anytime soon. So pretty happy with where I am at now. Um, who's next, Matt? <laughs> I was going to say, someone uh, remember that, the Woodstock 480. Well, says, in five I'm- years, <laughs> I, I, I might change my mind. I reserve the right to always change my mind. Yeah, I know. We'll say, it's been it's been like six months since Chris Schwartz came out with a workbench. That's true. So we're due for another revelation. Yep, in I want to find out what, what happened before the, the Rubo. That's what I need. Wasn't that the uh, Roman workbench? That's, yeah, I think that's the anarchist workbench okay. book or something. I think that's what it is now. I don't know. The Roman yeah. workbench. Just work well, on the ground in the, the dirt. Egyptian workbench. Well, again, I mean, this is the Sumerian. This workbench. is the blessing and the curse of the content creator. You know, you, you can change your mind and do these things and, and go from one thing to another. And it's okay because people like to see different things. Um, but you wind up maybe coming across as indecisive to some degree. I w- well, I think I definitely deserve that, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that title of being indecisive. I would agree with that. all right matt what about you oh man so i started my first bench was i guess more i guess framed in like a construction framing kind of mindset Mm -hmm. so it started out as like a a two by six frame with with the perimeter and then i put like a two by four ledger inside of there so i could inlay or insert like two by eights inside that frame to get like a top and then mm-hmm. I, I put it on some four by four legs that got lag bolted into the corners of that uh, two by six frame. Put uh, another two by six little uh, cross piece on the bottom and another ledger for some shelf pieces. And that was the bench. And like any kind of like work holding vices was or no clamps? work holding. OK, the work holding doesn't really come until later in my in my life. Where I had that moment like, oh, work holding makes your life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, nice. So on that bench, all I had was a few like quick grip clamps, and that's how I would hold things. Just mm-hmm. clamp them where they need to go, move it around. It wasn't really; it was very inefficient in retrospect, but that's all I knew, and that's uh, all I had money for was a few of those little clampy dealies. Mm-hmm. I actually made two of those benches because my first place I was working at, uh, I had a one car garage, and then I also like took over the basement, so I built a second. Yeah, identical bench. So I could have one in the basement for like, you know, working at indoors in the winter. 
Oh, look at I, you. I I've go got outside. two workbenches. Oh, it was nice. It was real nice. <laughs> I have two shops. <laughs> Except here's the deal. The table saw was in the garage. So in January, if I want to make a cut with a table saw, I had to get a heat gun out and preheat the motor <laughs> because oh it would draw too much current and it would just pop the fuse every time I try to turn it on. It was That's fantastic. So, <laughs> so That's I, great. I avoided using the table saw a little bit because I'm like, oh, I don't want to go up there and like start it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to have to heat up the motor. Get the heat, heat a blanket on there, wrap it up, tell it a bedtime story. Get it oh, man. <laughs> That's classic. I wish you were making videos back then. I was, too. I, I, I do. <laughs> I do wish I actually recorded that kind of stuff. It's like, it was like, That's the shenanigans that, like I had to go through to yeah. do what I loved. Trying to get, try get the table saw. Like, if it was a different thing, I'd be like, oh, I'll boil some water and pour that on it. But, you know, that's probably not a good. <laughs> yeah, right. That would that's have been fantastic. A lot more that I would like to see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. Uh, after that, I decided I needed like something. Oh, no, um, I, I skipped ahead a second here. So I had that bench. I moved it to uh, my next place. So then I had the full two car garage and I had both workbenches in that space, which was pretty cool. So I had two benches in that space, which was uh, which was nice. Uh, I uh, I decided to buy one of these um, woodworking vices, the, like the like the pony $40 orange ones that you can get mm-hmm. like anywhere. I slapped that bad boy on the end of one of those benches oh, and, I, and I had like a what the hell I've been doing with my life moment. <laughs> so I was like, what, what, hold on, hang on a second. Like I can just like put this board in here and turn this little handle on. It's just that's it. I don't have to like finagle like three clamps and try and get it to like stand up vertically somewhere. This is weird. <laughs> so. That changed my life like more than anything. Yeah, I think it's like before that, like I, didn't, I had no idea. I've never even like been a woodworker or been around any of woodworkers or been in a woodworking shop. So I don't know. Right. I'm like, oh, so anyway. And then I bought another one of those vices. Like, you know what? 30 bucks. This is great. It's better than any of the clamp I could buy. I slapped <laughs> another one on there. So now I had an end vice and a front vice. Yeah. Oh, look at you. I've look got two vices. I got two vices now. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> so and then. At this uh, at this new this new place as well. I also like oh, there's a basement here as well. Let me build like a little bench for down the basement because it was uh, it's a smaller basement and there's a really tight staircase, so I wouldn't be able to get one of these things down there anyway. So I built a um, it's a very simple laminated two by four top. Uh, I think it's probably like 24 inches wide, so it's a bunch of two by fours laminated together, and um, I made a trestle base for it because I thought that would look kind of cool. It had three tenons all the way through the top. And I eventually made like a little storage cabinet with a bunch of drawers to go in there. The bench was a shorter one. So it was um, it was four feet long uh, and 24 inches wide. So it's very small, uh, which I didn't end up liking in the end. But it was nice for that space. There was, mm-hmm. there was much space down there. Uh, but it worked. It actually worked out really well. Like it's like a pretty solid bench and you can get a lot done on that thing. I used that for uh, a few years until I decided that I would build a split top Rubo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is way better than my old bench because, like, you literally can't move it. <laughs> and look at these nice vices on here. I put the, I put the benchcraft vices on there. I'm like, oh, look at this. I can mm-hmm. clamp a lot more. I can, my other, actually, none of my benches before that had dog holes either. I had no idea what that was. Uh, you know, that those vi- those um, pony vices had a little pop up dog. I'm like, I don't <laughs> know. I don't, this is, this seems pretty like gimmicky. 
What, what would you ever use this thing for? Why'd they put this here? <laughs> so never bothered with that. And then now I'm like, yeah, I can't go back to like anything yeah. that wouldn't have the capability. But the nice thing, like you said, with the Rubo is it's like a blank slate. You can do a lot with it. And there's a lot of options and things and like ways you can work with it to do even more than what it's like typically used for, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and nice. then into the future, if we're still talking about that, um, I do want to build another one, even though like when I built that one, I'm like, this is the last bench I'm ever going to build. I never want to, I'm never going to build another bench again. Yeah, I think I'm going to do another one, but it's going to be out of the, the no lamb kit that I'm doing. Right. Only because like uh, one of one of the samples I sent out, the guy actually just finished it. His name is Alan and it's it's stupid looking like stupid awesome looking it's <laughs> stupid in a good way yeah it, it's, it's there's, there's no laminations anywhere you got like these big chunky pieces for the top the base is all single pieces and it looks great i don't know and there's a few things with my rubo that like i wish would be a little bit different yeah. as far as like the size and like the layout of the overhangs that uh, i would change but you know you don't know that until you get into it i guess that's so where the heck are you gonna put this other workbench I wouldn't put it here. I mean, I wouldn't. Okay. It wouldn't be when I'm here. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So for the next house, for the, the, the new house with the bigger shop and yeah. room for two benches. Nice. <laughs> so I just totally off the right. topic. Are when you guys go to a new place, are you considering possibly a commercial space for the business at all? I mean, you're getting to a point like you've got enough stuff and enough aspects to the business that is absolutely justifiable to have a commercial space. So I have been looking to buy a commercial building for a year now. And mm -hmm. I, I come to the point now where I'm like, I can't be looking any longer. So I signed a lease on a commercial space last week. Oh, you did what? Why am I not okay. hearing about this? Look at that. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. I hear about this live on a show. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? thought we were friends. Mm. So, well, first of all, congratulations. That's that. amazing. So oh, thank what, you. What, what, give us, give us the, give us the info. I want to know about it. Uh, it is literally double the total square footage of everything I'm using right now. <laughs> awesome. Between the wow. shop, the backyard, the driveway and the basement it's yeah. double all of that. So it's 2,400 square feet and it's, it's actually at, um, wood from the hood here in Minneapolis. So it's a kind of a fun, I don't know, whatever you want to call that collaboration possibility thing. I don't know whatever you mm -hmm. want, to call it. but you know, we're, it's, it's a wood place. Yeah, it's, they do wood. They do wood there. They understand wood stuff. So is the is the bandsaw mill going to be indoor or outdoor? The, the sawmill staying here. So I'm not moving any of my shop stuff over there. Oh, OK. The, I was going to say, you'd have to move all those the, logs. Uh, the, the, the space. <laughs> the bandsaw mill might fit, but you need a log yard. The space is for like the physical product business, I guess. Oh, I, you know, I'm absolutely a lot less excited about this now. I know. That's OK, though. <laughs> you just totally it's basically just a fulfillment center you just totally deflated it's like yeah we added a, a new call center and it's got a, a bunch of nice you should see the cubicles <laughs> that we have and the new uh, plexiglass oh dividers for safety we even have a, a gallon sized jug of hand sanitizer on the way in and uh, oh make sure you talk, make sure you say hi to Susan on your way into the office today. <laughs> but hey, Wednesday, Wednesdays are donut you days. You know what? I'm glad you didn't tell me about this. Until now, I feel better. Well, <laughs> we, we also put an offer on a house 
last yesterday too. So there's there's that. Okay. Coming. So there's, well, there's, there's that. There's a lot of things in motion that you could be happy for me about. <laughs> I guess. I think we have a show title. Something about like Matt's unexciting <laughs> lease. <laughs> Matt's uninteresting lease. Matt's call center. Uh, Matt's call center. It'll be Mark. I guarantee you, it'll be somewhat interesting because there's yeah. going to be some much bigger things going on there. Okay. Than I could good. ever do in my shop. I can't wait to see you become the next Amazon. But here's the deal. I have no desire to drive to a workshop to film a video. Sure. Nor do I have a desire to convert a workshop into a film studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've thought about that too. You know, we are super lucky to not have the com- the commute. You know, if you have your place of work where you're there every day grinding stuff out, it's actually super nice uh, not to have to drive to get there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I mean, even for like something small, like it's it's not that far. It's like a 20 minute drive, but like it's 40 minutes round trip. Mm-hmm. And I only got so much time on the day. And if I need to go like record something real quick, like I, I, I like the flexibility of being like, oh, whatever I have a moment, I can go record something or I can go in the shop. I'm right there. Yeah. It's, it's different, I guess. But okay. That, anyway, that's what's going on in my life. Well, the new location for chairs are us. That's <laughs> I'm super excited. They're not going to fit here. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere is all the packing stuff that I bought for all these chairs. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That was quite the revelation. So yeah, workbenches. Wow. <laughs> so back, back on topic. <laughs> I guess you're done now, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right, Shannon, hopefully you have at least the space <laughs> for no good reason. Hey! Tell, no. Tell us. <laughs> no. And no if I did, reason. if I did, it would have a trampoline floor. I just like throwing money away every month. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, I just uh, want your lease, leasing, and purchases and things to to get me excited. And then this one just fell short. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind in the future. Everything I do and buy. Can you and run it by me into at least? All my, all my reinvestments need to can, excite Mark. Can you give me the courtesy of a text at least, you know? Uh, Come on. Well, I was going to tell you, I would have told you like tomorrow or the, the day after when I start moving over there. Yeah. You start seeing my trailer full of all the lumber I have here. That's the other okay. thing. All my lumber storage is moving over there. So okay. all the wood that's in my house is being moved so we have room for all the kids stuff now. Yeah, that's good, though. The kids need some space to run around. Yeah. They got enough space. They got no. plenty of space, these kids. Yeah, but the problem is you keep making kids. You keep adding to the pile. <laughs> <laughs> the tribe is growing. I think I'll still make another workbench, but I will not make another kid. Yeah, we'll see about that. I uh, could have sworn I saw <laughs> yeah. a, a post from Lindsay saying about how you want another one. See, I want a baby, but, like, I don't want a kid. Yeah, they don't stay that way. Like, no, I think I, I'm at that point in my life now where I'm ready to be a grandparent. <laughs> Already. You know, we're like, you get, wow. you get to hang out with the baby and then you give yeah. it back to their parent. There right, you go. Yeah. That's a, that's go a good change time. his diaper. Go put this baby to bed. I'm going to go sleep through the night. <laughs> what is our show about? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we sure. here? Uh, okay. All right, Sh- roll Shannon, roll. I, I want <laughs> Shannon. I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> you know who else has babies? Um, <laughs> you know who else spends a lot of money on uh, storage? All right, <laughs> Shannon. Wow. I mean, do I even need uh, to talk about? I don't know. We might, we like... might just skip it. <laughs> wow. wow. 
I mean, that was like, that was like Matt's what's on the bench yeah, part smokes. Two. Yeah. You know, which, that was something else. That, that was our mid roll. Basically. We just, we just threw another what's on the bench yeah. just for Matt. Yeah. Right My gosh. Middle. Oh, I had one innocent question. Just one innocent question. And look where we landed. Nice job, Matt. You don't want to set these things up. I only blame you. <laughs> All right, Shannon, please continue. <laughs> Tell us your, your workbench okay. evolution. Well, I was kind of curious with both of you guys, you both had a bench that you started with. I started with no bench. Like I didn't use a bench for several years. And I think a lot of that, again, I started fully power tool. Like I didn't know what a hand plane was when I started. I had a few that I had inherited from my wife's grandfather, but they were like, you know, like most people that had that hand plane sitting on a shelf because, Ooh, look how old timey and quaint it is. Um, <laughs> like a TGI Fridays. Plus, yeah, right. Nailed <laughs> yeah. to the wall. When, uh, when, when I started, I also did a lot of like boxes and like, I did a whole craft show like phase of my woodworking life where I was building small things that fit on a table that could be sold, you know, knickknack type stuff. So, so much of my like demands for the projects didn't really call for a workbench, huh. you know? And it, so I worked for several years with, you know, I had, I had horizontal surfaces in the shop. Like I had a row of cabinets and, but I really think my first real workbench was probably my router table. Like the minute that I actually mounted, turned my router upside down and put it at a table, that became where I did all of my work, whether the router was running or not. You know, it was this flat surface and I ended up, you know, building boxes and things. Most of the joiner and everything I cut was with a hmm. router table. So that was it for a long, long time. And then I kind of thought I needed to have uh, a, a surface kind of for assembly and things like that. And I remember watching woodworks and thinking, Ooh, look at that fancy assembly table he has. And even Norm Abrams had like, you know, a place that he could put the projects mm -hmm. together. And this was, as I started to build more furniture, I realized that I needed like a space. I couldn't just assemble everything on the router table. So then I, um, I made a two layer MDF top that I then put like plastic laminate on um, with like contact cement. And then I put a hardwood edging on the whole thing. And I thought this was like the best thing ever. It was like dead flat, Ish. you know, when it started. <laughs> and then I like screwed it down to the base and didn't really pay attention to how flat the base <laughs> was. And basically just, you know, yeah. whatever. That was, that was my, my surface for a while. <clears throat> and, uh, I know we won't talk about vices till next week, but I probably won't talk about this one. Anyway, I installed a, a Craig surface clamp, You've seen those things that have like the plate that gets oh, yeah. inlaid yeah, yeah. into the surface and it's got like yep. a keyhole mm -hmm. fixture on it. Um, that thing was awesome. It was fantastic. You know, you just like threw whatever it was down and clamped down and it held it really, really well. That was like my clamp, my one clamp. Um, and then I actually started working in more hand tools and I realized that plastic laminate was just a terrible surface, <laughs> you know? Um, so I ripped that up and I laminated a bunch of like two by construction uh, lumber together. And I made this whole run of, it was still basically base cabinets, but I just was changing the top, you know, so the cabinets were like bolted to the wall type thing. Um, so then the, the two by top became my, my first official workbench that I could actually hand plane on. And I was still using that Craig surface clamp, but a lot of times I would clamp like a board down and that would be like a stop that it worked up against because obviously I couldn't plane into that clamp because it wasn't you know, flush mounted mm -hmm. clamp. So I would ding things up. I worked on that for a little while. And then, um, I, I'm trying to remember the, the timing. I started volunteering at the stepping stone museum 
And I got a lot of exposure to like continental German workbenches, like the traditional, like think of, you know, uh, Frank Klaus, like that type of workbench or David mm-hmm. Marks, that, that style of workbench actually Mark, you had the same one that had like a trestle base and the top overhangs the right. legs. And, um, one of them had a shoulder vice on it. Um, so I, so it had that like dog leg on the end. So I got some exposure to that, but honestly, I mean, like a lot of current day woodworkers, this little blue book by Christopher Schwartz came out and it was, that was it. Like, okay, I'm building a game changer, right? So, I mean, that was really the first like standalone workbench. Every workbench prior to that was like a top put on top of a cabinet or, you know, like I said, my router table, that was my, my, uh, my bench for, for many, many years. Um, I've since, you know, I've, I've built the, the Rubo. I've since built a Nicholson style at, um, my in-laws place up in Maine. Um, so I've worked on that one pretty substantially. And then I built a joinery bench that I'm actually standing at right now as we record this. Um, and that was kind of my next, not so, not so much evolution because it's an additional bench, but it was, I was suddenly getting to the point now where I realized I wanted to do certain things on a higher bench and certain things on a lower bench. And that's where nice. we are today. Sounds good. All right. So we have a couple different things we want to cover. Um, just, uh, this is just random crap that came into my mind, but we're going to cover these things. I think it's just relevant to workbenches and, and things you might be thinking about if you're considering, you know, building your own workbench. So the first thing is, you know, workbenches, it's not just the territory of hand tool users, right? There are power tool users who still have a need for a workbench. So I was just thinking about what are some of the differences that might be there for power tool? And let's say maybe you're exclusively power tool. Do you need the same things? You know, and a lot of times, actually, you know, I am more on the power tool side than the hand tool side. I still find the Rubo with the classic work holding positioning to still be relevant for a power tool user. There are aspects of it that I don't use as often. For instance, I'm not edge jointing boards, but I still use the heck out of my leg vise. I'm just not typically running boards along the length of the bench, you know, and using the uh, sliding dead man to hold it in place. It's just not an operation I do very often, but I still find that I use both of those vices on that workbench equally, even for power tool things. So I was thinking, what would make a power tool user's bench a little bit different? Do you guys think it would be sensible for that bench to be a little bit taller? I mean, usually when we size a bench, what is the, the classic thing that you say? If you stand up, put your arm down by your side, and pull your palm up. So as, as if you're putting your palm down on a tabletop surface. So wherever your palm rests is approximately the height that's right for you, for your workbench. So, you know, then that's kind of that lower center of gravity for hand planing and things like that. So let's say you were just exclusively hand tools or power tools, I'm sorry. Would you want to have your workbench just a little bit higher? I think I would. Maybe. Probably. Because, I mean, think about routing. I mean... Right? If the bench is too low, you either need to get a lower chair or a stool to get down a little bit lower, or you're hunching over. So I think if I'm routing something and I'm really trying to to, to control it, but also see what I'm doing, I would want things up a little bit higher. I guess it depends on the power tool <laughs> operation. If, like, if you're like using a circular saw, I probably want that to be a little bit lower. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. I guess if you put your circular saw on your workbench, yeah. Well, I don't know. What else are you going to do in your workbench? Cut stuff? Uh, wh- and you cut stuff, route stuff? I don't know. Yeah, you got to hold boards, cut it with a jigsaw. You, uh, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. <laughs> what, the, what did Power Tool users well, do again? All of my- I don't know. I've done all I can do. <laughs> <clears throat> 
I, I mean, I can say all of my, you know, quote unquote workbenches prior to building the Rubo when I was doing a lot more power tool stuff were at least four inches yeah. higher than my Rubo is now. Um, and, and with the, the joinery bench, I find myself doing a lot more stuff over there. I mean, certainly it's, it's a dovetailing mm -hmm. bench, but, um, I do a lot of layout, um, over here because it's just nice to have it up yeah. higher. Maybe my vision's getting worse <laughs> as I get older. I don't know, but, um, you just find that, um, some really, really precise operations. I do a lot of chiseling over on mm -hmm. this bench. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt the lower bench is great for leverage situations when I need to be down lower, but I do like being up higher for a lot of detail oriented yeah. stuff. Uh, how about weight? I don't think a power tool user needs a super heavy workbench. You know, the, the, the heft is really handy when you're, you know, trying to plane a board, you're putting all your body weight into it. Uh, you need that thing not to be sliding around. Um, I can't think of many power tool operations where you're putting that much force directly into the work where you would need the workbench to be. That's kind of terrifying if you think about it. What's that? Really get behind that circular <laughs> yeah, if, saw. If you're, if you're doing that, it might not be safe. Just push harder. <laughs> the blade might be in backwards. Yeah. You might want to flip the blade yeah, So I think you can get away with a lighter bench. It's where a lot of people will get away with like a portermate yeah. for you a long time. You also don't want to like move around on you either. As yeah. you're working on it. So I mean, I, I don't think it needs to be as heavy, but it still needs to be like extremely stable. Yes. Like just to be a, general workbench but you well, like probably I said, get away something a little bit lighter well like i said before with my second bench if you just put weight on the vice side yeah, see, the whole workbench would tip that's not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so power tools or hand tools that's not a safe situation okay so uh you know and uh, any of these things if you guys think of ideas um talking to the listeners here um shoot us an email or you know leave leave a comment on any posts we make about this show um, about traits for things. I would love to hear from people who are power tool users and, and what differs, what, what your needs are from a workbench. Oh, you know, the other thing is um, power. What about an outlet? Oh yeah. Right. That's, that's something yeah. that I mean, is fantastic. I've got a power strip on the back of my workbench now. And it's one of those things where I'm like, why did I not do this sooner? Just being able to plug a router in or whatever, you know, a lot of stuff is battery powered these days. So it's not that big of a deal. Most of the time what I'm plugging in is my laptop <laughs> on this thing, <laughs> but I've got like 10 receptacles that I could use for if I ten laptops. <laughs> for 10 different laptops. For your I land party. To. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good times. But yeah, I would imagine building oh, wow. some kind of a power solution into a workbench would be a pretty critical thing for a power tool woodworker. I mean, if you think back to like every workbench article and every woodworking magazine from like, you know, prior to maybe 1995, actually probably prior to 2000, every single one of them had a power yeah. strip on it. And, and oftentimes the, the caliber of the workbench was determined by how big the power strip <laughs> was. Like this one has 10 right. outlets. Well, mine has 20 <laughs> outlets. Yeah. And they'll all trip the breaker either way. So. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Unless right. you heat them up. That's right. <laughs> Get your hair dryer, warm everything up. All right, Shannon, you got, you got the next one. All right. Well, if we're talking, you are a hand tool user, um, especially if you are like a, a, a pure, I don't want to say pure, you use mostly hand tools. Put it this way. You mill your stock by hand. That's really where the workbench comes into play, where it's got to be heavy. It can't move around. Like you need to be able to throw your body into this and have it not move that much. Um, this is where like the Rubo designs come in that are three, 500 pound type things, because you are putting a lot of force behind that hand plane. 
And it's, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like force along the axis of the bench, not down mm-hmm. on the bench. You know, I think most of the power tool force is going to be just down and it's more gravitational weight down. Um, most of your work with a hand plane is going to be along the, the same, the, the, the force line will be in line with the bat, with the bench Lateral? itself. Is so that the word? The shearing motion. Lateral. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? You get the idea. Um, you know, but at the same time, when you are, when the force is straight down, say you're chopping a mortise, that bench has got to be rock steady. Otherwise you're basically spilling energy all over the place. If the bench is flexing or sagging or it's kind of lightweight or it's not stable on the floor and it's rattling as you do that, you know, think about sitting at that, uh, table in a restaurant that has the one leg that's off. And every time you like use your knife, the whole table rocks yeah, back yeah. and forth. It's the same type of thing when you're standing there with a chisel or you're, you're sawing, you know, just using a back saw. And there's not a lot of lateral force, but with the, the bench shifting underneath you um, and, and chopping, pushing pressure down onto the wood with the chisel, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It can actually like double the amount of time it takes to chop a mortise just because the bench itself is taking most of the energy and spilling it somewhere else. Whereas on a good you know, hand tool workbench, you probably be like situated right over top of the leg and chopping down right there. And it's a really, really solid transfer of force. Um, and because of that, you, you do want it to be a pretty durable bench. Like you're gonna ding it up. Don't get precious about this. You know, you can make it fancy and pretty and build it out of walnut with purple heart inlays and, you know, mother of pearl inlay and all that stuff, but it's gonna get banged up. You know, I can't, I, I could, I could stand here and actually count the dings on my workbench, but it would take a while. You know, I mean, the times that I've bored into it and there's like the point of a lead screw or I've got this nice long, um, 45 degree angle saw kerf on my bench right now, when I was, um, sawing off veneer strips against a fence, you know, the number of times that I've chiseled into the bench and everything. I mean, if it's a, if it's a really kind of lightweight, weak material, those little slips of the chisel will cause a lot more damage than if you've got something that's super, super hard. And you're going to run into people who say, well, you should make the bench top softer than the materials that you're normally working so that the bench dents and not your project. Okay, fine. That's that's fine. You can do that. I prefer a, a heavier, harder material, mainly because the harder material is heavier and it just translates down to a much more stable bench that isn't going to flex at all under me while I'm banging on it. That's... To me, that's been the biggest game changer with a Rubo is just the sheer mass. It just does not move. It's an immovable force that I can pretty much count to to always be there for me in my time of need. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Oh, um, you guys have said this a couple times, but I do think with any workbench, but really with a hand tool workbench, having that blank slate, that very strong chassis mm-hmm. underneath you, that really you can expand upon however you want. You know, if you were, if you head suddenly, okay, I'm going to be a Windsor chair maker. Well, something like a Nicholson or a Rubo workbench is fantastic because you can change up the work holding pretty easily or the bench itself is a work holding machine with the bench dogs and hold fast and things like that, because the bench itself is really, really durable and sturdy. But having that kind of blank slate design really allows you to customize it to whatever it is you want to do. 10 years, 20 years from now. Cool. All right, Matt, you got the last one. All right, storage. Because uh, presumably you want to use some tools and stuff while you're using your workbench. Maybe. Maybe. Now I just look at the bench. Oh, it looks good. <laughs> Go, pat on the head. 
Put a blanket over it. done. Turn the lights <laughs> off. Have a good night, yeah. Bench. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Doesn't use it, Ferris. He just wipes it with a diaper. <laughs> the, the, the first one here is uh, tool trays. So basically somewhere to put your stuff as you're working so you can have a nice clear bench top area to do your actual working on. Uh, I, I don't have one. I don't have one for a very specific reason. And that is it would just get full of crap and it would just probably not be all that useful for me because I know how I work. You guys have any further thoughts on tool trays you like tool trays? I I've worked on a bench with a tool tray and you're right. It just gets especially like a planing bench. It just gets yeah. filled with shavings. And then you have to go the ever so fun Russian roulette game of diving for chisels in a pile of shavings. Um, you, oh, there it is. Found it. You know, okay. Band-aid, medic. Um, Where did all this red stain it, come it, from? It fills with shavings. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the worst part is, is it doesn't like just fill over time. It fills with shavings in like the first five mm -hmm. seconds you're at the bench. It's just, they're completely useless. I, I have mixed feelings about it because I like to have pencils and drawing things and erasers. I like to have that on my workbench somewhere. So I took the split in the split top Rubo <clears throat> and took the little, <clears throat> excuse me, the plane stop and <clears throat> cut a piece out of there. Sorry, I need some water. <clears throat> I cut a piece out of there and I use that little divot to hold pencils and pens and it works. It's cool, but it has some flaws. One is of course it gets filled with stuff. Two is I often cover it with that um, with the bench cover yep. that, yep. that we have. And now I can't get to the stuff that's under there. And then the third thing is, uh, well, I can't remember. Oh, if I want to use the plane stop and pull it up and do something with the plane stop, all the pencils and pens go everywhere. So it doesn't really work mm -hmm. that well. Right. Well, that's where you I've got a bench side storage. Actually, <laughs> it was a skill building project in semester one of the hand tool school. Handtoolschool.net. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, and and this wasn't certainly wasn't my idea. I think it's probably Schwarz came up with mm -hmm. originally, but it's a just a, a plank that's attached to the backside of my bench, and it's just got a series of dados cut in it. And then when you screw it to the backside of the bench, they turn into little slots. So they are big enough to mine holds a back saw, a couple of chisels, marking knife, uh, I think a square, a couple things like that. And because it's on the back edge like any crap and shavings and things, it still lands on the bench top, but then you just kind of sweep it off yeah. the bench and it doesn't really, the, the tools themselves are not on the bench. They're just off the back edge. And that has worked out pretty well. I don't store tools in there all the time, but I, it's a place to stick stuff while I'm working. Like if I know I'm going to need that chisel again mm -hmm. in a second, I'll stick it in the slot and it's there instead of hiding under a pile of shavings to, to bite me later. Um, the back saw is great cause I'm, I'm always kind of, well, call it what you will, very precious about my back saws. I'm always constantly worried that if I just set a back saw down on the bench, I'll end up like dropping a board on it and bending it or something like that. So I will usually slot. It's like a holster. That's what it is. I just <laughs> throw it in my saw holster on the back mm -hmm. edge and it stays out of the way. Um, I did put a tool well on the back of my joinery bench, but I'm not doing any heavy planing up here. Um, so, I mean, it will fill with chips and things time, from time to time as I'm chopping out um, dovetails and things, but not all that much because of the type of work that I do mm -hmm. up here. Uh, the most shavings I create is when I carve on this bench. And even then, um, the tool well is kind of far enough away from the action that it's not really a problem. And it's incredibly useful because I keep like just my dovetailing tools right here. It's, it's the ultimate in like 
hoity-toity specialization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I have two marking knives. This one's just for dovetails. This one is my dovetail mallet, you know, and here's my dovetail marker. Yeah, it's, I sicken myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, do you guys know who, um, who works benches? Works benches. What? <laughs> wow. Like sometimes, sometimes wow. things. I actually did. I just did a spit take. Like, I literally just did a spit take. <laughs> sometimes terrible. you just can't come up with anything. Anyway, it's Rockler. They work oh, benches. of course. Go figure. <clears throat> yeah, Rockler is your go-to source for everything that you need to build a workbench. They just launched their new portable drill guide and vice. You can get the precision of a drill press with the portability of a hand drill. This tool will be perfect for drilling dog holes in a workbench. You could also use it for uh, drilling pen blanks. And uh, Matt, do you remember we saw this at WorkbenchCon? Oh, that's pretty slick, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a nice little device. Uh, there are others like it on the market, but this one is really heavy duty. It's got a lot of travel, a lot of capacity. It's actually like, uh, you know, well-made looking. Yeah, like, for like, sure. Not, not like a toy-ish. Yeah, you it's, could, a, it's, it's a good device. For this thing. Uh, yeah, and if you're looking for mobility in your shop, maneuvering a, a heavy workbench with ease, you can actually use Rockler's workbench caster set. Engage the casters. You could lift your bench three quarters off the floor, three quarters of an inch, that is, off the floor. Uh, move that thing around. I mean, that's the case most people are dealing with. They don't have big, expansive workshops. They they didn't just lease a commercial space for storing stuff. Uh, <laughs> they might need to move a workbench out of the way. And you do that with a, with oh, a nice God. set of casters. <laughs> now you're not going to live this down now. That's all uh, right. <laughs> these casters are actually uh, constructed of durable steel rated for 100 pounds each for a total of 400 pounds uh, on, a, on a full-size workbench uh, we're going to put all the links to this stuff in the show notes so don't worry about that um, and if uh, you don't want to build a workbench from scratch a lot of people just don't have time or resources to do it Rockler sells beach workbenches made from laminated beech wood these robust benches offer a solid heavy-duty work surface two full-featured wood iron vices and craftsman quality construction. So that's, that's nice. That's nice. I've never done that. That's and I've worked, nice. I've worked on some like pre-made manufactured benches, usually at schools. Cause yeah. a lot of times in schools, woodworking schools, they, they don't have the ability to make a bunch of benches. So that's usually where I get exposure to those. And uh, it's pretty good, especially if you just don't have the, the, the time to do it yourself. So you'll find uh, those links and more all at rockler.com. Be sure to check out our show notes and you'll find links to the drill guide, to the uh, uh, the workbench casters, and then, of course, the workbenches that they sell. So thank you, Rockler, for sponsoring the show. And, uh, you know, it's a, it is a mid-roll ad happening at the one-hour mark. So oh my God. there's that. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> is it that long? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So let's wrap up the yeah. show. Um just a, a quick list of tips, resources, things that you might want to look into for workbenches. I'm going to recommend two. Uh, Chris Schwartz's workbenches book. And there's the blue one and the red one. I, I have the red one. I don't think I've read that. It was kind of like an add-on thing. I don't. I, sometimes you get to the point where how much could, could Chris have to say about workbenches? Oh, an entire <laughs> book's worth more? Okay, here's a red one. So, <laughs> I mean, he's very a very prolific workbench writer. Uh, but the blue workbenches book was a game changer for me in terms of, you know, yeah. at a point in my life where I couldn't tell you what I really wanted out of a workbench. This was a guide to explain what a workbench should do, the type of work holding you do at a bench. And you can kind of build your own recipe for what you think a bench needs to have. And after I read that, it was a clear choice to me. It really made that choice very <laughs> simple. Um, I'm sorry. I just feel like we should have sappy violin music. playing. <laughs> we can do that. 
This was at a time in my life when it just yeah. spoke to me. You know? <laughs> but it was, it's, seriously, it's a game changer. If you're not sure what kind of workbench you want to build, you got to pick up a copy of Workbenches. It will definitely clear that up for you. Uh, and of course, in the guild, we have the probably the best selling guild project we've ever done is the the split top Rubo workbench. If you want to build a bench that looks like mine or or Matt's, um, it is that split top Rubo design based on bench crafted hardware. Not the cheapest solution by any means, <laughs> by any stretch, uh-huh. but it, it's a good guide if you're looking for like a no nonsense video based plan. Very, very yeah. cool. I like it. Well, I did, I did a little bit at the Hangel School about workbenches. In fact, semester three is entitled workbenches. Mm. And rather than it being, while I did actually build the joinery bench in there, that semester is not so much about build this particular bench. It's more about what kind of bench should you build? Like what are the elements to designing a workbench that are going to work best for you and will be able to kind of evolve with you over time? And then, of course, I talk about just the hand tool techniques um, for working with large timbers and, you know, dealing fun things like twin tenon, twin dovetail joints, like you find on a lot of Rubo benches and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then uh, my orientation semester, I actually do build a workbench and that's the Nicholson style bench that I've got um, in my main, Ooh, shop, hey, the main shop, which is very nice. That's my favorite one. All right. And I, I just want to, yeah. So actually right as of now, Mark is the only one that doesn't have two shops. Oh, what's up with that? <laughs> Mark. God, I'm slacking Bush it over Mark. here. Man, I used to, I used to be the, uh, the internet's rich guy with my big 1800 square foot shop. Now, like everyone else has, you know, 3000 square foot industrial spaces. Now it's okay. It's okay to do that now. Yeah. (laughs) My, my secondary shop is actually twice the size of my primary shop. It's just unfortunate that it's 600 miles away. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit of a commute. All right. So one thing we want to close out on here. You know, we have the three of us do have traditional workbenches and you heard from our evolution that we didn't start that way. And you don't necessarily have to ever get there. You could do plenty of woodworking on alternative bench types. You don't necessarily have to go into this traditional giant solid wood workbench thing. Um, So we actually will be not the next show, but the one after that, we're going to be talking about workbench alternatives. So, you know, giving that a little bit of love because there's a lot of solutions out there that don't involve this big, giant, expensive, uh, you know, chunk of wood with vices. Um, And and they they might be things you might want to consider. So we'll talk about that then. Um, All right. Well, the show is, of course, sponsored by our good friends at Rockler. Rockler is a family owned business since 1954. They're your go to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit Rockler.com. Use that code WoodTalk. It's just one word to receive free shipping on most orders over thirty nine dollars. Right on. Well, folks, there was a lot of stuff in this show, and a couple times the market has actually said, hey, tell us your story. Well, you can do that by going to woodtalkshow.com and filling out a comment there or filling out the, the contact form, or you can hit us up on Instagram, or uh, that's it, Wood Talk Show, by the way, or you can, um, whatchamacallit, send us a voice memo <laughs> type thing via email. We'll play it on the show. Tell us your workbench origin story, and, you know, if you have a cool accent, it's pretty much guaranteed to get Good played night, on Mike. the show. Or if you have, like, a shout-out that's four months, you know, in the past, you probably will get mm-hmm. played on the show. Um, yeah, I think... Your social call to action this week. I know you all have built some fancy workbenches and you're proud of them. We don't want to see those. We want to see your first workbench. Yeah. If you have a picture of the first workbench that you worked on, 
you know, send it to us and tell us about it. Let's give a little bit of love and respect to where we all started because we didn't, well, some of us started on Rubo workbenches. Let's, let's be real. But most of us started with much more humble yeah. beginnings. Let's see it, folks. Hashtag it, uh, WoodTalk480. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.